let's, let's take a moment and pray together and just thank the Lord for His goodness this morning. And as you guys heard, um, just a few stories this morning, there were dozens of others that we could have shared, but um, let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we asked you if you would work through us. We asked you to anoint our hands and our feet, to, to um, help us to represent you by the things that we said, by the love that we, we shared. We asked you, Lord God, to open up the hearts of children to receive your word and uh, Lord, you've done everything we've asked, and we're just so glad. We're so grateful to be part of, 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 of your plan, to be part of your glory, part of your, um, your design to uh, cause all people um, to hear your gospel, to, to have the opportunity to know you, and those who would receive you, Lord God, to, to receive your forgiveness, to receive um, your mercy, and to, be, and to get started on, on uh, being in, uh, on path or on journey uh, to pursue you and to become more and more like you and to take on more of your character as you purify us through your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for answering your, our prayers. And, Lord, we, we know that this is not just because uh, we're just a bunch of great people. We know uh, that we're, we're fallen people. We're, we're broken vessels. But nonetheless, uh, Lord God, when you show up and do your work, it's extraordinary. And so, Father, we thank you for this week. We thank you for the way that you work in us. We thank you for your kindness to show up uh, whenever we prepare ourselves. Um, you show up in your power, and you do amazing things. So, Lord, thank you for the week. Thank you for the reminders that you, we can trust you. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 84. If you're not with us regularly, um, we um, agreed a, about a, a little more than a year ago that we we're going to be in a, uh, and read a chapter of the Bible every day together, and then we'd kind of do that in a, um, in a, uh, in a community way. So um, we're reading through, in the month of June, we're reading through Psalm chapter 60 through 90 this month. And uh, so in a couple of weeks, you guys are going to hit Psalm 84, but I thought it was really so appropriate for uh, Vacation Bible School that I wanted to talk about it uh, this morning. So Psalm chapter 84 is just such a beautiful picture. Uh, this one so, is really similar to Psalm 63 that I talked about last week some. I just love it. I, I love these psalms that talk about um, what our hearts really are after, what we really long for, what we really want in life. And uh, Psalm 84, the psalmist talks about his great desire, his great pursuit, um, his great desire for what he wants in this life, and maybe the next as well. But anyway, um, the, uh, some of the temple attendants had written this psalm. This is not one of David's. This is the sons of Korah, and uh, this is one of their psalms. Psalm 84, if you would read, read along with me. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon your shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. 
No good thing does he withhold from those who walk, who, whose walk is blameless. O oh, Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. All right, let's go through this just a little bit. The psalmist, as he's writing this, is thinking about, or maybe he's seeing the temple, um, and, is, and he's looking on it, and he's just contemplating just how great and how beautiful it is. Uh, but anyway, as he's standing there, maybe looking at or thinking about the temple, he just starts to think about how beautiful it is. And, and if I could uh, go on for just a little bit here, it, what a beautiful thing to think that God had allowed a temple to be built where a symbol of his presence would dwell here on earth amongst men. He, he allowed this place to be built so that people could come and, and they would actually enter the courts or the courtyard of the temple and they could go and they could worship God. They could bring their sacrifices in where, they would be, where their, the animals would be sacrificed and they could receive for all of their sin, they could receive a covering over all of their sin. And the psalmist looks at this theme or he thinks about this thing that's happening, this scene, and he looks at it and he says, how lovely. How beautiful that this, that this divine God, that this God that is so very different from us, um, who is perfect in holiness and perfect in righteousness, he has set for himself a place on earth where we could view and look at and see his presence and his people could come and worship there at, in the courts where God and his presence was. What a beautiful and amazing thing and what a great thing that God doesn't just distance himself from us. You know, people are messy. We all have sin. We all have, we've all failed. We all, um, the Bible's very clear that all of us have walked in sin. We were born in sin. We continue to sin. We all have problems with idols and yet God in his mercy and has a real desire with, for relationship with people. He has, we were talking about this in, the, in Sunday school this, this morning, but he has a, such a strange fascination with people, even as messy and, and, and unclean and, and, and sinful as we are. Matter of fact, the psalmist David would write, he said, what is man that you think of him? What is man that you care? He's asking, you know, God, you know, you, you have everything you need in yourself, everything you desire. Why do you even bother with all the messiness of man? Why do you even have a desire for us? But we know God in his great love, he has this incredible fascination, this incredible desire to have a relationship with us, which is a beautiful thing. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm glad he's like that, aren't you? I'm glad that he wants me. I'm glad that he wants you, and he wants to have a relationship with us. So the, the psalmist looking on, uh, probably at sacrifices being offered, probably at worship being carried out, and people receiving forgiveness for their sins or, or covering over their sins, really, in the Old Testament. Um, and he writes, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. And then look at me, with me in verse 2. He says, My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. He's physically longing for God's presence physically wanting it. He's talking about this, and this is similar to the language in, in Psalm 63 when David was out in the desert, and he said, my body longs for you, my soul thirsts for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He's there in that dark, that parched, arid desert place, and he says, like my body wants water, like my body wants, wants streams of water and, and refreshing, that's how I want God. I long for him. I thirst for him. I hunger for him, and I want his presence. Um, 
that speaks, I think, really importantly to us today. We have so many distractions. You know, even here in Amarillo that's so very isolated in Canyon, you could go out today and you could do a thousand different things, uh, a thousand different things that would entertain you or fill your time or amuse you. There are a thousand different pursuits that you can get caught up in in, in career choices or hobbies or whatever else. But the psalmist says, my heart longs for God. He is the greatest pursuit. He, he is the greatest treasure that, that, that you and I could find, greater than any career path, greater than any success that you might have in this life. There is something far greater. He's the treasure of the field that Jesus talked about in the New Testament, that the guy went and sold out everything he had so he could buy the field and have the treasure. Uh, he is that treasure. Amen? He is the one that is worthy of us, of all of our hearts, all of our desire to physically long him and, and long, for his, for his, um, long for his presence. Um, he's the treasure. In verse 3, he says, the sparrow and the, and the swallow have found a nest. So he's looking at the temple perhaps and he's looking at, at the temple eaves where, where even very common birds have found a nest. And maybe he's a little bit jealous or something, but he, he sees even these common birds have found um, have been able to nest close and to live closely to the presence of God. And he says, though those lowly birds live in such a glorious, uh, glorious place, and he's just overwhelmed at, at, at uh, how God has come near to man and has come near even to God. Look with me in the, in the latter part of verse 3. He says, a place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. He uses three different Three different uh, terms for God. First, he says, O Lord Almighty, which is Jehovah Sabah, which means Lord of hosts. That means that the, that talks about the Lord's sovereignty, that he is over everything else. He is over the host of, on earth. He's over kings and rulers. He's over the hosts in heaven. He's over every power and authority. He is over everyone. He is the King of hosts, or Jehovah Sabah, the Jehovah uh, Lord of hosts. He is over them all. But then look what he says. He says, um, he calls him, O Lord Almighty, but then he changes and doesn't refer to God just as God, but he says, my king and my God. See, he had become more to the psalmist than just the God, than the sovereign. He had become the psalmist God. And I want to ask you this morning, has God become your God? Has he become your king? Listen, there is all the difference in the world between knowing and recognizing that there is a God and having him as your God. There's all the difference in the world into knowing that he rules over everything and to let him rule over you. There's all the difference of the world between those two things. I want to ask you this morning, I want you to think about this, and if you don't come to resolution about it this morning, that's fine, but I hope that if you haven't resolved this question, I hope you won't be able to sleep until you get it resolved. Has he become your king? Have you allowed him to, to rule over your life? Have you come to the point that you've said, you know what, I, I've, I've walked in my life long enough and I've, I'm not getting where I wanted to go. I'm not getting where I thought I could go in my life. In a lot of ways, it's broken and I need someone else to take over. Listen, that is the Lord. He is the one who desires to lead and direct you into righteousness, into good things for your life. He can be and wants to be, desires to be your king and your God. Amen. Oh, come on. We're Baptist folks. Don't forget. Amen. Yes, we want his rule over our lives because we know, you and I know, that this is, the, this is where we really find life. Uh, we didn't have it before we came to him. Uh, that's where we really find life. In verse 5, in verse five he said, Blessed... Now, this is the part that I really wanted to focus on this morning. Verses 5 through 7. Read it with me one more time. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set 
their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So here he's going to make the cases that say, those people who have learned to trust God, they're blessed. Those people who have learned to put their faith in him, they're blessed. And matter of fact, he says, and that they can go on from places of, to, from strength to strength. Let me tell you, let me talk to you just a little bit about some detail about what's going on here. He's making the case that those who trust in you, they're blessed. In verse 6, he says, those who pass through the valley of Baca. This is not, doesn't seem like it's a literally literal valley of the Old Testament, but it is a valley uh, that's referred to uh, symbolically in the Old Testament. Baca means weeping. It's a place of sorrow. And so listen to what he says. As they pass through the valley of weeping, or as they pass through the valley of sorrow, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. It sounds like what he's talking about here is that in arid places, in places where there wasn't much water, people would dig pits, and they would, they would dig like earth, earthen cisterns. And then when the rains did come, they would fill up the cisterns with water so that people would have water for them and their livestock to survive on. But he's talking about more than that here. He's talking about people passing through an arid region, passing through an era, a, a, a time or, or, or a place physically of, of a dry place where there is weeping and there is sorrow. And he talks about people perhaps digging pits, waiting for the Lord to fill them up. Now, don't, get, don't lose the importance of this. Here they are living in or passing through a dry and arid place. And in, and in belief in just trust in the Lord, they dig pits there in the desert, okay? Now, I, I, I don't, this would become a practice certainly with the Israelites and pretty much anyone who'd lived in a desert region, but, region, but uh, you know, as you, as you think about it, think what that means, that in simple trust in the Lord's goodness, in simple faith, in the middle of the desert, they're digging pits out in that hot, dry weather, knowing full well that the Lord in his goodness will send rain. All right, so let me bring this down to where you and I live. You and I go through difficult times, right? And matter of fact, um, there's, become a, there's become kind of a change in the 19th and 20th centuries where people have come to think, well, if the Lord's pleased with me, I won't go through difficult times. Listen, that's not biblical. That's just not biblical. There's going to be a time where we no longer go through difficult times, but that time's not now, right? Uh, that time is, is heaven. That time's when, when God fulfills everything that he's desired and we live with him at where he reigns in heaven in the new Jerusalem. But today, you and I go through dry times. Now, um, if you look and you read, if you go and look at a lot of books today that are on sale on kind of pop Christianity, a lot of them are about how to, how to get your, I'm sorry, let me be a little more careful, how to overcome those days and to just walk in, in goodness all the rest of your life and you won't have any more trouble. Listen, that's just not biblical. It's just not. We're going to have sorrow. We're going to be passing through. We're going to be pilgrimaging through places of dryness in our lives. Matter of fact, every biblical character, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter what, every one of them went through these periods of time. Every one, okay? So when it happens to you, what does it mean? God must hate you. You must be living in sin. Possibly, but more likely, the case is, is that God doesn't mean for you to be walking through that as a, as a sense of punishment 
Probably. If you're a believer, there is, in fact, no punishment left. But he uses those times, doesn't he, for a greater purpose. More than punishment, he uses those times to deepen our faith and our trust and our, and our dependence upon him, which is not a bad thing. Now, when we're going through the desert time, it's tough, isn't it? But, but listen to what he says here. But these people had dug pits, waiting, hoping, praying, believing that the Lord would fill them with spring rains, believing that he would fill them with rains, and that once he had, they would be able to travel from one pool and travel for maybe a day until they could get to the next pool, and then travel for maybe a day through the desert until they could get to the next pool, all the time relying on the the Lord's goodness to restore them and provide them with the water that they needed for travel. Don't lose this in your struggles. You're struggling with a wayward child? Are you struggling with difficulty in your marriage? Are you struggling with finances in your marriage? Are you struggling just in a time where you just seem very distant from the Lord? Listen, all of those things are common to man. All of those things we're going to go through. You're struggling with illness or someone that you've lost. Listen, all of those things are common to man. We're all going to go through them. I don't care if you're a believer or not. We're all going to go through them. The difference is this is that an unbeliever look at those times and is, looks at those times and he goes through those times and his heart is hardened towards God. Why would you do this to me? Well, I am not deserving. This should happen to somebody else, not me. Why do I just seem to have one problem after another after another? Well, the truth is we all have one problem after the other after the other. The believer, the one who is blessed, is the one who digs a pit in the midst of that barren desert and says, but Lord, I trust in your goodness. I trust that one day you're going to refresh me. I trust that one day I'm going to get to rely on your strength and your providence for me, your providence for me, so that one day you will restore me and you will help me walk through this difficulty. In one, his heart is hardened. In the other, his heart is softened toward God and this says, I need your strength. I need to depend on you and I trust in you to show me your goodness again and again as I trust on you as I walk through this valley of weeping. Yeah? You can trust him. You can trust him. Amen? It's difficult to believe in God's goodness in the midst of sorrow, isn't it? It's difficult to believe that somehow this is good for me. Um, Many of you visiting with us this morning, but um, Brent and I have uh, our, our middle child, Rebecca, was born with cerebral palsy. And um, I tell you what, for years, it just seemed like, uh, literally years, six, eight years, it just seemed like we had one setback after another. And it wasn't like this was just a, oh, shucks, this didn't go exactly like we thought this one time. It was one thing after the other, after the other, after the other, and it was a difficult six or eight years. We struggled. All we could do at the beginning for years, for about the first six years, was, was pray, Lord, you have to heal her because we can't deal with this. You have to heal her body because we don't think we have the strength to get by, to get through this. Well, you know what we found all along? It, it really did, seriously, we're kind of slow. We're kind of thick-headed, Brenda and I. But, but it took us six years to start praying, okay, Lord, if this is your will that we go through this difficulty, you're going to have to give us strength. It, it's going to have to come from you because we can't do it. You know, it wasn't until then 
that things really started to break loose for us where God had really had ordained for actually my sister to go and hear about these people in Houston who were doing some surgeries that was really would end up helping Rebecca. She went um, at that time, she was in contracture where her muscles were so tight she was unable to walk uh, to the point where uh, today I, I never had envisioned Rebecca being able to walk um, without a cane or crutches or a walker or something. Oh, you can see um, today she's walking without all of those things. But it wasn't until the point that we got to the point that we could say, okay, Lord, through this valley of weeping, through this valley of struggle, through this valley of, of suffering, I'll trust you. I'll lean on you for strength. And do you know what? And every time, every time that we think, I'm not sure we can do this, I'm not sure we can make it, every time the Lord has proven himself to be faithful, that we can trust in his strength. Amen? It's a beautiful thing, and, and I've got other stories, too. I could tell you about our marriage and about our finances and, and uh, my lack of, uh, of being a good father in the beginning that just over and over again have just learned to trust in the Lord uh, or to lead you guys even. But anyway, we don't have time for all that, so we'll just leave it at that this morning. Uh, but I do want to remind you, um, <clears throat> this, this pilgrimage that we're all on in following God, and, and I pray that you all are. If you're not, I pray you will be soon um, in following God. It's going to lead through valleys of Baca. It's going to re- lead through p- valleys of suffering and sorrow. It will. It, this, is, this is just part of this fallen world. Suffering is part of the j- deal here, right? And, and this idea that somehow we can just escape all this and live in prosperity all the rest of our lives just isn't, isn't the case here. But the truth is, is that in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of that, we can rely on God's strength. You really can trust him. It's what we've been learning all week during vacation Bible school. And here really quickly, here's my God sighting. This, uh, this last week, I kind of got tasked with a, with a, a little bit of a work um, that I have to prepare or work with some other folks to prepare a presentation for folks, some folks at my work. Re- and I didn't think I could do it. Um, as a matter of fact, I got to do it at like 7.30 in the morning. Uh, but anyway, and then I got to do it again on Tuesday morning. But anyway, I really didn't think it was going to happen. And, and during VBS, it, this was just, it was just like a weight on me because I didn't think it was going to happen. I was nervous. I was getting anxious about it. I was frustrated about it all. And then like Janae was talking, Janae, I actually had this talk. Um, I, in the middle of it, I, I just remembered, wait, what was, you know, I wanted to slap myself around a little bit. You've learned this for crying out loud, right? But I, I really remembered, you know what? I dwell in the house of the Lord. I, 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 his spirit indwells me. I, I know Jesus Christ and I know his forgiveness. I know that God desires to have relationship with me. So the rest of this stuff just doesn't really matter much. You know, I'll, I'll do my best at work. I'm not saying that we need to ignore that. I'll do my very best at work because I want to be a blessing for my employer. But at the same time, ah, what's it matter, you know? Uh, uh, let me tell you, just, uh, uh, let me just wrap up this way is that in your life, you're going to have opportunities and I'm going to have opportunities to apply the gospel to 100,000 different facets of your life. You're going to remember, oh, oh wait, in, in that thing that I'm anxious about, about finances, or that thing that I'm anxious about, about my child and, 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 and where they're headed in life, that thing I'm anxious about in my marriage and I just don't know where all of it's going, you really can trust God. You really can you can lean on him and he will help you go from not just to make it, but listen to what, it, what he says there in that. He says that they will, as they travel, they will go from strength to strength as they rely on the Lord's, Lord's goodness to restore them and refresh them by his goodness. Amen. You can trust him. You really can. He really can sustain you. He really will help you. He really does desire to. 
you will be like one of those people who are walking through a desert but are renewed by the Lord's strength day after day as you rely on him. Would you pray with me? And here in just a minute, we're going to bring in the kids and uh, kind of finish the day with a slideshow. All right? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we thank you for this lesson out of the Psalms that, that, Lord, as the psalmist just looked on at the temple, he was just overtaken by this desire to, to have you, to, to, for you to be his God. And, Lord, I pray that for every one of us here today, that we would just have this insatiable desire for your presence, that we would just desire your presence every day, every moment of every day, looking forward, Lord God, to, to quiet times with you and when we can go and, and, and dwell in your word and your word can speak to us and, and that you can apply, uh, help us to remember and to apply the gospel to, to those areas of our lives that we need to hear it, areas of our lives that we need the balm of, 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 of learning to trust in you, uh, the balm of, of your peace um, in, in our lives. And, and Lord, we do thank you too that you've provided for us and you continue to provide for us. We're just so grateful for that, Lord God, that you've provided for us pools of refreshing, Lord, for us every day that even though we may walk through valleys of sorrow, valleys of weeping, valleys of suffering, Lord God, that we can depend on you and that when we do, we will find you our faithful uh, Father. We're just so grateful to know you, Lord God. Thank you for calling us into your kingdom. Thank you for calling us into relationship with you, Lord God. I pray for every one of us here, Lord God, that we would grow in our trust of you in every area of our lives, Lord God, and every struggle that we go through, that we would learn and we would find you to be our faithful God, our God, our King. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. Amen.